This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, March 21st, 2012. I'm Caleb Brown. Have super PACs harmed the GOP's effort to find a nominee this year? They've certainly extended the lives of some campaigns and subjected Mitt Romney to added scrutiny. So where's the harm? John Samples, director of the Cato Institute Center for Representative Government, comments. Well, one thing to keep in mind, in politics, people complain about things. And then when you do something different, they often complain about that. And it's usually a different set of people complaining, or at least you hope so. In this case, people used to complain about front-loading of the primaries and and the the whole uh, decision being taken really quickly. And so that by the time you hit Super Tuesday, it was all over. Uh, So the parties responded. And part of this has nothing to do with money at all. Part of it has to do with the rules of selecting delegates. The Republicans said no, nobody who has a, no state who has a primary before April 1st can have winner-take-all rules. And what that meant was that, as we saw uh, in the Illinois primary with Mitt Romney, he won strongly, but he even then he only got three out of four delegates at the issue. So it just takes a long, a lot longer time to ma- amass the delegates when you can't have these winner-take-all rules. That's part of the story. And certainly the other part of the story is that uh, the one clear uh, result of the speech now and Citizens United decisions has been that the Santorum campaign and the Newt Gingrich campaign continued longer than they would have otherwise. The question I would put there to the critics, however, is what exactly is the damage done by that? Um, Mitt Romney has a complaint. Oh, I would have won earlier and we would have been you know, unified and so on. But of course, the complaints of individual candidates is not something that all citizens should worry about. It's the uh, complaints about the system. And uh, you know, it is clear that there was a number of people in the Republican Party who weren't comfortable with Mitt Romney, who didn't think he was conservative enough, and those people have been heard from. They, uh, Santorum and Gingrich have articulated different visions uh, of conservatism, as it were, and all of that has been threshed out. The concern was that Romney would be, uh, particularly when he, uh, early on when he was attacked by Gingrich, that he would be uh, wounded and would face uh, President Obama in a weakened state and all this, all these kinds of arguments. It's now become clear that Romney, uh, by having to face uh, trial by combat, that he wouldn't have had to without the super PACs, that he's coming through it fine, that he's, he's still yet to convince many people in the Republican Party, but certainly the complaints about his business background have not harmed him and, in fact, have focused uh, – on his business background, which seems to be a fairly normal and quite successful one and something that may well recommend him to the American people. So uh, I, I just don't see the problem here. That Keeping in mind, of course, that there is always a number of people, there is a veritable industry of complaints when there is money spent anywhere, anytime on electoral politics. The standard complaint from incumbent politicians, and it's important to note that these complaints almost exclusively come from incumbent politicians, is that uh, super PACs that are supportive of candidates can frustrate uh, even uh, their efforts at getting elected. Well, there's two aspects here. Uh, you're, you're quite correct. I remember testifying before um, the Senate several years ago, and the late Ted Stevens, who was a uh, – well, let's just say a crusty politician, 
at that time, this even this was before Super PACs, before Super United, uh, Citizens United. People were complaining uh, about, uh, and there, there existed these independent uh, efforts, and he was complaining about not being able to control the message. And I thought while he was talking, you know, you know Senator, it would be great if you, instead of complaining about your lack of control, you at least put it in a democratic or uh, context where you said the fact that I can't control the message means that the people can't hold me accountable so that this complaint is about something other than your own lack of power. So th- there was that issue because you do want that uh, when there's messages out there, if people are saying things that demand accountability, you would like to see the candidates held accountable. But the fact is the liberalization of the American campaign finance regime has come the way it has through Citizens United and through Speech Now. And so we have these, uh, by the nature, uh, legally independent groups, and they can do what they want. And indeed, you want that because you want, in some measure, you want people that are out there saying whatever they want, and if it doesn't, they have no obligation if it's their money to click with uh, a candidate's message. That's not, they can support a candidate and say it for for other reasons. The um, candidates themselves have tried to adapt to this by setting up super PACs that are run by former uh, employees or former staffers. But, of course, also remain meet the terms of the law, which are they do not coordinate with the, the campaign and the candidate himself does not run the, the super PAC. So there's been this adaptation that raises a series of other questions. But I think we'll see both kinds. We'll see uh, these uh, outsider groups as well as ones that are more closely affiliated with the campaigns in the future. On outsider groups, um, is it really the case that uh – <clears throat> candidates in, I guess, helping arrange super PACs, that is providing personnel for uh, super PACs, uh, are trying to take a proxy of the candidate's own thinking and move it over to the super PAC so that somebody who uh, is aware of the candidate's preferences can be running it, presumably is will will read the tea leaves in the same way so that there's no coordination but you sort of get the next best thing. That is somebody who uh, clearly has some sort of understanding of what the candidate would like. Is that the is that uh, going to be the dominant future of super PACs, or uh, are these other outside groups that may be supportive but have different uh, angles of support? Are is that going to be more likely? And are we going to see a lot more of these big money? donors dropping, you know, $10 million, $20 million onto individual super PACs, or has that proved to be something that uh, didn't really work? Well, I think as far as the uh, employees or former staffers working, what the candidate wants is an agent who is not going to do something contrary to their interest. However, they will be an agent or a delegate who they can't control. I mean, the rules are there's the five-prong test, and you have to meet that and so on. So that all will be done legally. So the idea here is that the person will act on their own independent judgment about how to run the campaign, but they'll do it in such a way that they don't uh, – for. I mean, in the past, the, the real issues for can, from the candidate's point of view is that these uh, independent groups have raised issues 
that the candidate doesn't want to talk about or have raised the issues in such a way that embarrasses or could potentially harm the candidate. Uh, so I think uh, in, in that sense, we'll, we'll probably see for candidates more of those. I don't uh, – the, the issue of how many outsider groups that aren't really uh, staffed by former uh, – uh, candidate staffers and so on. So it's unclear at this point how many of those there there will be. Uh, it a lot depends on I think uh, how unhappy the people are with the party leadership. You could very much see that if there had been more unhappiness on the left with Obama, you might have seen some of that. As far as the big money donors, I think we you know we've gone through. If you're a student of campaign finance, you you get a strong feeling of the the future is very much like the past and the present's like the past. People very, get very upset about large donations and predict that it's going to continue and it's going to take over and it's going to be the only form of uh, political giving and so on. And we've heard these things before it, and then it would, would turn out to be a relatively small sum. We've had some experimentation. There is a Hayekian element here, I think. We've seen people step forward to uh, give large donations to uh, Newt Gingrich and uh, Senator Santorum. Uh, at the end of the day, I think everyone's going to step back and say, yes, they gave them $10 million. Yes, it allowed them to continue was that money worth it? Did it make a difference? Did it uh, change the uh, – it's not going to change the outcome of the nomination race. Was it worth it to these individuals? And I think in the future, uh, these, guys, these people this time have been first movers. They're, after that's assessed, I think it may well be that uh, the big money givers will have second thoughts. It will depend on circumstances, but a long shots like Senator Santorum and Mr. Gingrich – always were, that it's going to be harder to raise that kind of money to save you from uh, demise. It seems that the super PAC, at least uh, by design, if you actually look at the speechnow.org case, is a group of outsiders mm -hmm. with uh, relatively small sums of money that want to engage in certain kinds of uh, political speech. Well, it could be a variety of forms as we go down the line. It could be a wide number of small, large, and in-between. I do think there's this whole issue, we were accustomed to thinking uh, in Citizens United of, uh, in terms of business corporations and labor unions. And then with Speech, speech Now, the kind of argument that, the, that uh, Speech Now made to the court, you know, they were really a, were a classic outside group in the sense that this was a number of people uh, uh, that were motivated by an issue, but they wanted to talk about candidates because it was important to talk about candidates in the, in, with regard to the issue of uh, speech regulation. So we, in my mind, and maybe in other people's mind, you expected that the super PAC would be the genuine outsider group. And as so often the case, it, it really is true. That's uh, often said about campaign finance regulation. Adaptation takes place. There's unexpected consequences was probably not wholly unexpected, but the extent to which these things have become uh, – they're, they're kind of party organizations in, in some respects, I, I think is somewhat unexpected and somewhat unusual. I think perhaps, you know, people do what they want to and that's the whole point of this. They, they can fund the kind of speech and ideas they want. But uh, 
I guess in my own view, I was hoping that we would really see kind of a more of an outsider element to this super PAC, because in part because we'd always thought of the parties and the candidates and everything as being part of the traditional world of PACs. And having said that, I think maybe in the future you could see that. You could see an extra, a, a, a kind of development of a real uh, mobilization effort in campaigns that was apart from the parties. And that, if that happens, that'll be a lasting contribution of super PACs in my view. John Samples is director of the Cato Institute's Center for Representative Government and author of The Fallacy of Campaign Finance Reform. You can learn more about super PACs and the case that spawned them at Cato.org.